your favorite cabbage if you're new around here hi there i'm lato and if you aren't new then welcome back patch doll all right so apparently the prodigal cabbage has returned that's me by the way don't ask where i've been i mean you will wonder where I've been, but I will let you know just now. But before we get into that, I'm not recording at night as per usual because I'm in a different setting. And it's actually a much quieter setting. So there's a lot of wind also here in Cape Town. So if you hear a lot of like in the background, that's mainly because of the trees and whatever else is moving around because of the wind it's actually a very calming sound but if you're not into that then then you're gonna really hate the rest of this episode so i'm just warning you now okay um so where have i been firstly it has been in two days it would have been three months since i last published an episode do I need to be ashamed of myself? Absolutely. Because what does that even mean? What? What am I doing? But, but, it is what it is. We are back here now, so welcome back. But where have I been? Literally nowhere. I didn't fall sick. I didn't lose anyone. Or at least not since um, I recorded my last episode. And I didn't lose anything major. So really nothing happened. All that happened was school. So I took a break when academics were letting, you know what, hit the fan. And it was too much for my feeble self to handle. And for those of you who might not know, I am a university student. And I'm doing my second year at university. So school really does come out of nowhere sometimes and just hit you in all directions in the most like overwhelming way so pardon me for that and then after that I had a few major life changes I mean I call them major life changes because that's what you classify them as but I wasn't stressful life changes it was just life changes you know um which extended my stay away and then the rest of the time was being used to rest which is quite important um so rest everybody if you can when you can rest rest okay okay anyways in all this time i did not unfortunately read a single book not one however we're here so you might be asking yourself what don't worry i have 20 other years worth of life experience and books to talk about and that is exactly where we'll start today so if you're returning patch doll firstly thank you so so much for actually clicking on this and listening even when i seem like the most unreliable person on earth i just what can i say (laughs) and if you're new then like i already said i am lato your soon-to-be favorite cabbage if you don't like cabbage now you'll absolutely love cabbage and if you love cabbage Well then, you see, it's just a win-win situation. What I'm just trying to say is that you love me, okay? Please, please just stay. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm your soon-to-be favorite cabbage. And also, I'm a socially curious bookworm. So, 
I just want to preface this by saying I'm still coming to myself in terms of fully letting myself be on these podcasts. And so I'm definitely on my road towards improving and actually growing this thing. I want to make it something that I love. I really enjoy filming, not filming, recording. But um, I just want to take it more seriously. But I'm still coming to myself in, in terms of like, what I want this channel to feel like. It's, it's, it's going to be about book reviews, don't worry. But I want to change up how I want it to feel like. I just want it to feel authentic. So you can get the authentic me just through my voice. But anyway, to do all of that, I need to stop talking about myself and actually get on with the book reviewing. So let's just jump straight in. So today's read is the 2000 novel by Patricia McCormick uh, called Cut, which is apparently targeted towards young adults. And I will explain why I say apparently in the whole review part when I'm now saying my own thoughts. And apparently, well, not apparently, this is a fact. In 2002, it was named as one of the ALA's best books for young adults for that year. So ALA is the American Library Association. Um, so that's the book we're reading today. It was very easy for me to find. They have paperback copies of that everywhere. They've got internet versions of that everywhere. And it's a very short read. So I would highly suggest you read this book. Um, if you want to really immerse yourself within the experience of the review. But if you don't read the book, then what's coming next is the plot, summary, whatever. So you'll actually, you'll be caught up, okay? So here we go into that. So it's a story about 15-year-old Callie of Mrs. Sauga. I am really struggling to... I've been practicing to say that, and I don't know how to say that, so I'm just going to say Mississauga, which is a city in the Canadian province of Ontario. So, Kelly, 15-year-old Kelly, isn't speaking to anybody, not even her therapist, um, at Sea Pines, which is the residential treatment facility where her parents and doctor sent her after discovering that she self-harms so at some point kelly does begin speaking to her therapist or doctor and she helps kelly understand why she self-harms and as her story unfolds kelly reluctantly becomes involved with the other guests with other residents at sea pines finding her voice and confronting the trauma that triggered her behavior so Kelly gets better with the help of Sydney, who was her roommate, Debbie, Becca, Tara, Amanda, and Tiffany, which are other characters, and through support from her family, other residents, the therapist, and then she soon lean, learns rather why it is that she self-harms. Okay, now before we move on to the next part, I would like to say that this book is called Cat. It is about self-harm, so... A trigger warning is in place. I'm not going to be very explicit about things, but if this is something that will trigger you or something that will force you into a space that you don't want to be in or something that you just don't want to confront at this particular time, you need to 
stop listening right now if you feel like you know what mm, i'm actually curious but this might have adverse reactions listen i'm not that good of a podcaster yet don't worry you're not missing out on much <laughs> okay just click out of this video and we'll meet again in the next one not video what is wrong with me i watch too much youtube right just click out of this podcast and we will meet again in the next one it's all good but we are going to be talking about um mental health as it pertains to self-harm so i could say that carry on listening at your own discretion all right all right i have just recorded three other versions of this and they all came out sounding weird so we're just gonna try again hi <laughs> i think my thoughts are going to sound way more filtered now because there was a whole lot of nonsense that i was saying in the previous ones where i was like what no that's not necessary anyway we're back or i mean i'm back you wouldn't know that but yes i'm back whatever we've got kelly i'm just going through the character list right now we've got kelly who is here because she cuts herself and refuses to talk throughout most of the book. Um, which is actually something that's rather interesting because when you read the book, honestly, I was like, is she going to speak at some point? This is getting ridiculous, but she does speak at some point. It's not a major spoiler, but, well, yeah, she does speak at some point. But she spends most of the book not speaking. But it's a book about Kelly. Okay, so she's the main character, but we never really get much of her thoughts what in the way of words, right? So she does have thoughts, obviously. We do get a bit of those in that sort of like third person, but who's got an insight type of manner. But she never expresses herself to other characters, at least for most of the book. Okay, at some point she does speak. Then she's got her roommate who's Sydney. And she suffers from a drug addiction. Sydney is very nice. Sydney is very nice. Just know that Sydney is a very nice girl who is in for a drug addiction. Then we have Becca who is in because she struggles from anorexia. And she's refusing treatment. And we'll, like, we find this out as the book progresses because she's hiding her food instead of eating it. And she's secretly purging. But then this later leads to her being transferred to another ward or to another area or section of the residency, the C. Pines place, which is Hamaka or Hamacha. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that. So she ends up getting moved because, well, she's not getting better. Then we've got Tara, who's also an anorexic, but she's also, I mean, she's trying to get better. And then we have Debbie who's obese and she's got compulsive eating disorders and you start to see that she also has some more underlying issues which are actually touched very very lightly and that sort of irks me they are touched they're sort of like tapped on because she's very very she's got a deep intrinsic need to sort of help out but help out Becca, sort of like mother Becca, sort of like control Becca, but not in a controlly way. I don't know. It's just weird. We'll, we'll get to that. All right. And then lastly, we've got Tiffany. Sorry, no, not lastly. 
well, this is the last of the original thingy, the original cast who are like there from the beginning of the book. There's Tiffany, who is also here because of a drug, a drug addiction, just like Sydney. And she then leaves at some point. So she gets better and can leave. And then in comes the last character, Amanda, who is actually, she's carefree, doesn't care. I just say she's carefree and doesn't care, really. <laughs> she's carefree. She's very expressive. She is in for cutting. But it is said that she does this for decoration. Apparently. Okay, we'll get to what I'm saying apparently just now. Now, oh, there's also Kelly's psychiatrist. Okay. She's referred to in, she's referenced in second person throughout the book so in case anyone's confused first person is like saying i second person is you third person is she or he most books are written in third person especially if they're fiction and then um either third or first person but it's interesting that kelly psychiatrist is referred to in second person however i'm not going to be unpacking that whole second person thing because i'm reserving it once again i know i know i keep saying i'm reserving things for other videos i mean for other recordings but i am i'm reserving it for another uh book which i'm going to do which is like fully written like this and i find that very interesting and yeah it doesn't play that much of a big role here so that is why i'm just slightly skipping over it you know just tapping lightly over it just like this book tapped lightly over everything i care about but anyway it's fine i digress it says here that the critical reception for cuts was overwhelmingly positive with kirkus reviews calling the book a thoughtful look at teenage mental illness and recovery bookless praised mccormick's depiction of kelly saying that she was an exceptional character study publishers weekly positively reviewed both the paperback and audio versions writing that the book quote sympathetically and authentically renders the difficulties of giving voice to a very real sense of harm and powerlessness end quote as well as praising Claire Lewis for her narration but I'm going to just tap out of that for a second because I personally didn't like the way that mental illness was looked at in this book so, first of all, we've got characters who are, I mean, it's set in a mental health mode. So, obviously, we've got characters who are suffering from a wide range of things. Drug addiction, to varying extents, anorexia and bulimia, and compulsive, disor compulsive eating disorders. So, we've got food-related um, mental health issues. We've got drug and substance-related mental health issues. And we've got self-harm or self-mutilation mental health-related issues which is like what this book is like so short it's such a short book it's a short read i finished this book within two days of reading it i kid you not i still had school at this time but i finished it quite quickly so how can we be tackling such a wide variety of things in such a short book and then to have these people say it's a thoughtful look at teenage mental illness and recovery. Thoughtful? In what way are we putting that? Let's unpack the word thoughtful here. So, I would say that it's not written in a way that stigmatizes mental health. Nor is it written in a way 
that glorifies mental health issues, right? Which I appreciate. Because some books, especially young adult books about mental health issues, tend to glamorize or romanticize going through it. You know, like, they just romanticize being the loner. They romanticize being the the dark friend, you know, like the one who's aloof, the one who cuts themselves and all these things. So to put it as thoughtful, it, it's thoughtful in that it doesn't romanticize these things. But I mean, that's as far as I would go in calling it thoughtful. There's nothing thoughtful about this book. <clears throat> I want you to read it, but I want you to read it not because like I loved it so much. I want you to read it because it's got so much potential but it's got so much wasted potential. I read it and I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you playing? Surely you're playing games. I just feel like it's not fleshed out enough. And I know that not all books that are tackling such serious issues are going to be fleshed out at all times because it's difficult things to unpack. I get that. But, but, please, let's start with Kelly, our protagonist. She gets here because she cuts herself and doesn't want to speak to people. Now, they unpack later on in the book why she does it. She learns about herself. This, that, and the next thing. If you're going to read the book, you'll understand why. Like, all of this is happening. They explain it well in the book um, towards the end. So I'm not going to go into anyone's reasons for what, like, for doing what they do. Especially because then that is the, the main plot point. So I don't want her to ruin it for those who haven't read it. But getting there, we just see this girl who's 15 years old and self-mutilates and it's obviously a problem and the people around her know that's a problem and she's sent to the psychiatric um, residency or the psychiatric ward not quite sure how people feel about me calling it a ward but yes that's this um mental health facility basically um so she goes here she learns about herself. She has her troubles here. But what I want to specifically hone in on, or like zone in on rather, is her refusal to speak. So she refuses to speak. Now, that that's a very real depiction of someone who might be that age and also might be dealing with those issues. She's here dealing with whatever she's dealing with. She's 15 years old at the peak of adolescence. Literally like 15, 16, 17-year-olds, they're going through it. So she's going through it. She's at a really difficult place in like her adolescent life, just as everyone else is at that time. And she's facing all these other things that she's facing. She's unable to deal with her life, hence her resorting to self-mutilation. So this is seen a lot in like a whole lot of other like popular media about young adults and just in general in real life we do see that a whole lot of people who are that young people who are that age do t- like turn to self mutilation or substances or have developing eating disorders or things like that because of like the things that they're going through and that's very much treatable. I mean, I'm studying psychology to be able to treat such things. It's very much treatable. But the whole like the whole thing with this book is like 
she gets treated for it she gets better i absolutely appreciate that about the book right she goes in she's not receptive to treatment at first but then she opens up and ends up well getting treated and getting help amanda on the other hand like i said gets introduced quite late in the book but she's also here for self-mutilation she also cuts and it's apparently for decoration she's introduced as this carefree girl she's very frank very this very that you know and i get that they wanted to have opposite people but like opposite people on the same spectrum so kelly and amanda kelly is very quiet aloof closed off doesn't want to talk to people isn't receptive to this treatment and cuts for reasons that she doesn't know but amanda carefree loud outspoken extroverted and she cuts for reasons that she does know obviously no one will cut themselves for decorative purposes unless if there are other underlying issues as well so if someone really just wanted to decorate their body they can just get it a two so yes there's other issues here but they just put them as such contrasting characters which made this really like oh to read i just i mm, i didn't know how to feel about that and this is my problem with many books that tackle mental health issues especially within teenagers they never get into it deeply enough right someone to be diverse but then they just go on extremes like this one there's people who are suffering from this that the next thing and these ones who are suffering from this are also different they've got this that the there's just so much going on at all times. There's just never, I don't know, a standard teenager in these books. Like just someone who is a, a standard teenager. I mean, even though they've got mental health issues, they're still a teenager. They're still going through teenager things. There's just this one who is now so sure of herself. And one thing that I know is a lot of teenagers are going through identity crises. That's just because of the stage of life they're at, right? You're going through this teen, like this identity crisis where you're still trying to find yourself. Some people think, oh, you know what? I've completely found who I am, whatever, whatever. Or some people are like, I'm completely lost. But for the most part, people fall somewhere within that region. So we now have this one who's like super sure of herself and like is super seemingly confident, puts on this facade. She doesn't care. Then we've got this one who's completely aloof, completely quiet, completely introverted. It seems it seems like they're opposing each other. And I read this thinking, okay, so Amanda's going to be basically our mirror to what Kelly is not. But then you read the book and there's no real reason why they're put that way. Or at least not one that I can remember. To be very fair with you, I read this book three months ago. I reread bits of it not so long ago but yeah i wasn't really intrigued or interested in reading it much else again so it's like what is the reason what is the what was the purpose what was the reason for having them be such contrasting characters i want to make another comparison we've got becca and tara they're both suffering from anorexia. Tara eats, right? She's soft-spoken. She eats when she's supposed to eat and she's here getting help. Then we've got Becca who hides her food and purges and 
is like super dependent on big on Debbie. She's quite non-receptive to the treatment and very secretive about it. And Tara is very understanding, very open to the treatment. So it's almost like a Kelly and Amanda type of situation again. So you've got Kelly and Amanda, they both self-harm, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. Becca and Tara, they both have eating disorders. Or let me say rather, similar eating disorders, they're both anorexic. But they are also on opposite ends of the spectrum. We've got Sydney and Tiffany. One gets released and, well, the other one doesn't, obviously. Or at least not within the span of the book. Sydney doesn't get released, but Tiffany does. But Tiffany's here because she's just trying to, like, not go to jail. And she's addicted to crack. And she's she's there only halfway through a book, then she leaves. So it's almost interesting to me that they chose to have characters. That the writer chose to have characters which are sort of mirroring each other as in showing where okay let me put it this way we both no 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 where pairs yes pairs of characters are opposing each other but complementing each other i'm not sure what the purpose for that was it doesn't add anything to the story and let me tell you nothing that's in this book as much to the story because i feel like they could have really really unpacked at least one of these things at least some more i don't see what the point of this book is i just genuinely don't we've got kelly here she cuts herself okay great and it says here that like um once again a thoughtful uh, oh no there's an exceptional character study of um kelly which she is a fleshed out character she's got a character arch which is a very, very simple character arch, or almost too simple, because, honestly, her character develops in, a, in the most obvious way. She goes from not talking to talking, and that, therefore, is meant to imply that she gets more insight into herself. I don't know. I'm not really sure what I expected from this book, but not that. Just not anything that I got. And it's targeted towards young adults let's unpack that so um i said here it's apparently targeted towards young adults because it it, i mean it states that it's targeted towards young adults but is it the the way that it's written could be targeted towards young adults maybe that is why they're not unpacking that too much but i'm not too sure why is it for relatability purposes for educational purposes, for entertainment purposes, because if it it's any of those three, it's literally fulfilling none of those three. If it's relatability issues, there's so there's so much wrong with that. Oh my goodness, I could literally I could explode right now. You can't have a book about mental health ill like yes, mental health issues and teenagers who are already at a treatment center but who don't want to be at the treatment center but half of them do half of them don't they just have these weird dynamics nothing happens in the story actually you know what i've changed my mind don't read this book i hated this book actually the more i think about it the more i hate this book i just expected more 
who is supposed to relate to this? The teenagers who aren't receptive to mental health, um, treatment, mental health issue, like, treatments? Is that who this is supposed to be for? Those ones who are supposed to see that actually it will help you and you can improve your mental health and you can get back to a place when you can be independent? Is that who this is for? But then if it is, it's in a very weird way. It's it's in a way that doesn't really say to me, hey, this is how you can get help. But also, if it's then relating to teenagers who are already getting help, which is already an alarmingly small percentage or small proportion. So now we have a purport, like a, let's say we have a group of teenagers who are suffering from mental health issues, and then we are targeting this one demographic that is already receiving help which we know because of how taboo mental health is in our current society that's a very very small population but let's say now we are targeting that population um what exactly is this book helping them with seriously what is it helping them with if you go seek help when you whether it is by um self-help groups self-help books or going to a professional, a therapist of sorts, a clinical psychologist, a clinical counsellor, a social worker, things like that, you will be fully aware by that time that there's other people who are struggling through similar things like you. That's like part of the like, treatment, I could say. It, like Part of healing is accepting and knowing that you aren't alone in whatever it is that you're facing. So, they already know that. So, once again, this book then is not targeted towards those. Then maybe is it targeted towards those who aren't facing any mental health issues, i.e. for education. Because then if it is, that's the worst depiction I've ever seen. It just seems like these kids have these issues for vibes. Like, I know that I just, like, really diminished that really horribly, but it really does seem like these kids have these issues for vibes. Like... Let's just take Amanda, for example. They unpack, you know, later on what's actually happening. But when you're reading this at first, for Amanda, it's cool and edgy to be cutting herself. For Kelly, it's embarrassing and, like, should be hidden away and should never be spoken about so she never speaks. Like, what exactly is the educational message here? I'm confused. Is it really targeted towards young adults? Because also then if it's not targeted towards young adults and it's targeted towards adults and giving them a look into how teenagers feel. I was a teenager not too long ago, so it still feels fresh to me. I can sort of guarantee that that is not the message you want to be sending out to adults about how teenagers function. I just, I don't know. It just seems weird to me. I really just don't like the way that mental health is done in this book. Now, someone could be like, but Lagato, not all books are supposed to be unpacking things in like a very like deep way because some books are for entertainment. Let me say one title to you that will end your argument. The Perks of Being a Wallflower. I'm actually going to record my next episode to being The Perks of Being a Wallflower because I love that book. I love that book. It tackles mental health issues on such a wonderful level. It's this boy 
who's really not going through any extreme thing, nothing extreme, right? And the way in which he faces his mental health issues is also not this extreme thing. It's everything is done well. And there are many other books, but I just wanted to plug my next uh, episode, so just be on the lookout for that. Um, but what I'm trying to get here, to get at here is, they make the mental health issues the focal point of the book. The book is called Cut, for crying out loud. Like, it's literally called Cut, okay? It's going to be talking about cutting. Okay, but they just never get into it. We never get into her mind. It's just surface level things. It sounds like if someone who learned about mental health issues in varsity wrote a fictional book on how mental health issues present themselves. It just sounds... There's there's truth to it, obviously. And there's going to be people who relate to it, obviously. But it doesn't sound personal enough. But also it doesn't sound detached enough. It doesn't sound detached enough to be educational. But it doesn't sound personal enough to be offering insight. There's no point to this book. There's just, there's no point. She, she's already at the treatment center when the book starts. That's the thing. It's not like we're following her to this journey of like, where she finally accepts that she needs help. She's already at the treatment center in the beginning of the book. So to a certain extent, she had already agreed that she wants to get help, right? Her very presence at this ward means she wants to get help of sorts but then at some point she runs away in the book and she's i don't know she runs away then she has this epiphany and then she calls her dad and they like take her back and that's honestly how the book ends and it's oh it's one of the most painful book endings i ever had to go through and it's like so annoying if my mom is listening to this which she probably is shout out mama thank you I always shut up my mom because I know she always listens to each and every single one of these. So, thank you, mamas. Um, but, okay, back to my point. What was my point? Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes, my point was my mom will always laugh when she hears me say that anything's ending was bad because I just say everything's ending was bad. I'm never satisfied with endings. I just... I never am. <laughs> um, but this ending left me particularly unsatisfied because I was like, you've got to be kidding me. She just has this epiphany. It's like when you watch the movie To The Bone, such a beautiful movie. Then you get to the end and she has this epiphany. She sees the light. She goes through this whole spiritual thing. And then she decides to get help and that's the end. What? Things don't happen like that. I want a book, any book, to show... Okay, well, The Perks of Being a Wallflower does do that. And it's a kind of a funny story. It does do that. Whether you show the gradual getting there. Anyone who's facing anything in life, it doesn't have to be mental health issues. And it doesn't even have to be mental health issues about cutting. It's a gradual thing. Some people abruptly stop, especially with something as addictive, like arguably addictive as cutting. They just do stop. And then after a while, it's like, wait, I haven't been. So then it becomes a challenge to oneself and that's how they stop cutting. But then that also has a whole story after it. You don't just stop on that one day and you're done. You stop and there's 
there's challenges that you face along the way. There's, it's a process. It's a process where you decide, but hey, hey, I'm done. You know, it's a, it's a process. This process in this book was put on such a shallow level. I felt like I could give it to like my baby cousin to read. Okay, granted, my cousin is not that young, just by the way. He can read. But it just felt like a book that I should maybe be giving to him. Because I'm like, well, I mean, this has put, everything is, it almost feels, yes, this book almost feels like one long exposition. There's no depth, there's no, there's nothing, there's no interpersonal conflict, there's no, there's nothing eating, ah, oh, there's nothing eating up the characters inside. Oh man, this book is just, it's painful, it's painful to think about it's easy to get through. Like I said, I read through this in two days. It's very easy to get through. It's an easy read. But almost way too easy and read for the subject matter. And once again, to young adults. So it's not even targeted towards teenagers. It's young adults. Who is Who does that include? I could argue that I'm a young adult. I'm literally just entering my second decade. So... I am 20... I am the pinnacle, the prime example of what young adults are. And yet I hated this book. And I'm not representative of the whole young adult population, I understand. But from one young adult to hopefully another, when I'm looking at my analytics, it seems like most of the people who listen to me are young adults. I can confidently tell you that this book is in no way relatable. Not in no way. It's it's relatable, but on a very basic level. It's just, ah, oh, it feels like they're offering you a sip of coffee in the morning. A sip. They're like, here you go. Hmm. Smell this. Hmm. Taste this. It tastes good. Okay, there we go. That's it. Like, what am I supposed to do with this now? Okay, anyway, I just rambled for 30 minutes straight, and I'm not going to edit this. I'm just not. <laughs> I want you to get the unfiltered version of myself. Uh, but anyway, um, I would just like to end this off by saying, don't read this book. Just don't. Or maybe read it. Support the author or whatever. But eh, I didn't quite enjoy it. I'm not too sure how I stumbled upon this book, but I stumbled upon it. Read it and didn't enjoy it. So, yeah. I was hoping that this would be a short review, actually, so that I can include two books into here, into this one episode, but here we are. I just rambled for 30 minutes, and yeah, no, I'm here to tell you that it's not worth it. <laughs> okay, anyway, thank you so, so much for listening and just bearing through me talking about nonsense for 30 minutes. Thank you so much, Pajdal. Please remember to stay safe, okay? The virus is still out there. Stay safe. Keep your loved ones safe. Keep yourself safe and keep yourself hydrated. Read a book or two and we will meet again in the next one. Bye.